From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. In the final meditation of the spiritual exercises, St. Ignatius of Loyola reminds us, quote, that love ought to manifest itself in deeds rather than in words, end quote. We are all called to love and serve in all things. And so it's hardly a surprise that in the 500 or so years since Ignatius wrote those words, countless service organizations have grown and flourished within the Ignatian tradition. Over the course of the next two weeks, we're going to explore two of those organizations. Today, we're talking about the Ignatian Volunteer Corps with President and CEO of IVC, Mary McGinnity. Mary has more than 30 years of experience in leadership positions in education, faith formation, pastoral counseling, parish ministry, and faith-based nonprofit social justice and service organizations. She's a graduate of the College of Holy Cross and served as a Jesuit volunteer. Most importantly, Mary is passionate about integrating service and justice. I've had the privilege of traveling to a number of IVC communities and meeting countless Ignatian volunteers. These are remarkable women and men who bring to their service experience a whole career worth of knowledge, insights, skills, and networks. And they offer all of these invaluable resources to local nonprofits, bolstering the capacity of communities to respond to some of the most pressing needs of our time. What's more, IVC is a lay-led organization that is empowering lay leaders. In many ways, IVC is helping all of us envision what it means to be church, especially as we all try to live the ongoing lessons of the Synod on Synodality. If you're interested in learning more about IVC, visit ivcusa.org. Now, here's Mary. Mary McGinnity, welcome to AMDG. We're glad to have you with us today. Hey, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. So so you are the president and CEO of the Ignatian Volunteer Corps. So why don't you tell us, um, what is it, the Ignatian Volunteer Corps? How do you understand it? Um, what, was the needs, what were the needs it grew out of? Um, and, and how do you see it responding to the needs of today? That's a great question, Eric. Um, first of all, what is IVC? IVC uh, is a service corps of men and women in their third chapter of life. Most of them are fully retired, um, and they've made a choice to bring their gifts and talents, their uh, life of service, into the needs of the marginalized communities. Um, they are supported through our Ignatian spiritual program in that work. So that's IVC in a nutshell. It originated almost 30 years ago, we're heading into the 30th anniversary, it was started by two Jesuit priests, Father Jim Conroy and Father Charlie Casello. Uh, they had spent a whole year in discernment and prayer for a vision of a mission that would bring the gifts of the laity in the retirement years into service. Um, they conceived of IVC in the mid 90s and began with a small cohort of volunteers in the Baltimore area. And in these 30 years, now today we're in 19 regions across the country, 
uh, over 22 cities uh, and serving. And we now have a new virtual service opportunity. In, in terms of today, you were asking me about the relevance of it today. I find ourselves at a very powerful moment in time. The boomer generation is uh, heading into the arc of their retirement years. There are approximately 10,000 people a day hitting their retirement age. In this transition of life, people are at a point of saying, what do I do next? How is my life going to have purpose uh, and meaning? Uh, there's a time of searching and um, IBC gives people that opportunity uh, to bring the gifts and talents of their life, their time that they have available to come into service and to have purpose. Um, with that kind of surge of the boomer generation and also quickly the generation behind, um, we have a fantastic opportunity here to bring to the social service nonprofit sector one of the greatest resources they, they need, and that is human resources. These organizations, agencies, schools that are out there helping people to face the barriers and challenges of poverty and marginalization um, are incredible organizations, and they're managed and run by people who have such compassion and intelligence, creative ideas, but they lack the resources that they so richly need and richly deserve. And what IBC brings to this sector are these men and women in retirement who have an incredible wealth of experience, wisdom, and resource. I want to hear about, about you, about your own journey. How did you um, find yourself at the helm of this national organization? <laughs> oh, Lord, Eric, what a great question. But I don't want to belabor you on 50 years of a journey, but um, I will say the first inklings of my journey that ended me up at IVC did start with my Jesuit education at Holy Cross College and my first couple years serving as a Jesuit volunteer. So it's a very interesting arc of my entire career that I came here to IVC. But essentially my journey to IVC started about five years before I took this position. Um, I was the director of social justice for the Archdiocese of Washington, DC. And one of the things that I had um, begun and led there was a leadership institute for social mission. And we had an incubator for how to develop social ministry projects and lead them in a way that would be sustainable. Um, in that function, my predecessor to this job, Suzanne Ganey, who had done a really beautiful job of setting up IVC in its earlier years, uh, came to see me and my talented colleague, Chuck Short, for some advice on how to build up the capacity for IVC. And that's how I first met IVC. Um, we did some consulting for her and uh, I started to find myself wanting to get involved with IVC. I was invited to be a spiritual reflector with one of the IVC service corps members, volunteers, and I loved uh, listening to him work and be there to support him in his journey. 
as he would serve in the D.C. area. Um, and then I was invited to be a part of the local regional advisory council for IVC. And then from there, I was invited to be on the national board uh, for IVC. And it was in that service and that function that um, we began to really look at all of the business and, and management elements of IVC right at the time that the 2008 fiscal crisis hit. It was during that time that the board, um, we prayed, we reflected, we worked hard, um, strategized, tries to look at what the strengths were IVC was. And we saw that the gifts and talent of the retirees, these men and women who would give dedicated time in service to social service nonprofits was going to be something that couldn't contribute to the crisis facing our country at that time. There were gonna be more and more people coming to the social service agencies for help, and they themselves were gonna get strapped with resources, but IVC could bring something to that circumstance. Um, and at that time, they asked me if I would uh, step up and be the CEO um, and put in a new operating model and see if we could um, keep IVC open and then if we could build it up to thrive. So there, that's how I got into, into the job. I wonder, you know, I know that you, um, obviously part of your career, you, you said, was uh, at the Archdiocese of, of Washington, um, directing, uh, you know, social justice initiatives. So you've, you've, and I, I think sometimes uh, there's a kind of an unfair dichotomy between like justice and then volunteering or charity, right? Um, how, how do you talk to people about how all of these things fit together? Um, you know, uh, you have these, you have these very talented um, individuals with, with a whole life worth of experience um, who are kind of coming into these organizations, um, as you said, you know, in, in need of human capital. Um, and then you have these issues of justice that, um, you, you know, uh, you, you want to really help uh, kind of, you know, change systems and structures. So how do you um, marry these ideas together in your own thinking, in your own leadership, um, and, and maybe help people to see uh, past this, this, you know, this split between justice and charity or volunteering and, and really kind of systemic change? I'm glad you started that question, Eric, with an unfair dichotomy, because in nearly 50 years of work um, within the church's social mission arenas and almost at every level, parishes, churches, diocesan structures. Um, there's always been that question, that debate between is it charity or justice? And in my walk in these arenas and in my own personal experiences, I have to come down that it is both. Mm. It is both. And the reason I say that starts in my early years. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a little story. Um, I, when I was discerning to become a Jesuit volunteer, I was a student at a Holy Cross College, as I said earlier, and we had done a spring service trip down to Kentucky. And it was my very first experience to leave the bubble of a you know, high academic institu institution. Um, I grew up in, in um, you know, a, a well-privileged background. And here I was down in the heart of the Appalachian region, um, seeing 
poverty as I had never seen it in my life. And I was so moved by the level of poverty that existed in the United States that I had never seen before. Um, and in being so moved in that compassion and being a child of the 60s and 70s, uh, I was moved to want to be of service. And service was going to be a way that you could come into relationship to the issues of social injustice. And if you don't come into relationship with it through the human connections, the relationships that you can see poverty, see the, ex see the direct experience, to see the crush of, of injustice on humanity. When you get into that space, your heart not only wants to um, relieve and help relieve the suffering, but also to, to start to self-reflect and say, what is the path that is leading to this situation where humanity is degraded or humanity is hurt. And it does make you question the systems. And then it makes you want to become involved. So it, it begs to higher learning around policies, politics, advocacy, all of those elements as well. And I think when we're called into the arena, each of us have our different gifts and talents. And we are asked to bring those specific gifts to it. If I were gifted in uh, policymaking and legal advocacy, I would be doing more work in that arena. Maybe if I'm called into mentoring and teaching so that I'm educating in a young person so that they grow up in critical thinking and awareness. There's so many ways and it's all not either or that advances us as a culture, as a society. Um, back to the story of Holy Cross, in, after going down to Kentucky, that was when I had heard about this brand new idea of Jesuit Volunteer Corps. It was only a couple years old at that time. And I thought I would apply. I was hoping I would be accepted. And to my delight, I was accepted into the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. And I was being asked to either go to teach high school in the inner city of Newark, New Jersey, or to go back down to the Appalachian region. And I was really struggling um, which direction to go. So I sat with Father Bob Manning, who was the chaplain at Holy Cross, to discuss and discern which way I was going to go. He then shared a, a story with me of a conversation that he had been blessed to have with Mother Teresa the year before when she had come to Holy Cross to speak. And he shared that he was quite humbled by her and in her conversation with her shared that here he was a Jesuit serving in a school for those who are privileged and perhaps he should think more about working directly with the poor and he said that she shared with him that he was given the gift of education and that in his gift of education he could educate and share and and um, help young people to develop in their sense of love and care for the poor and so he shared that story with me as a way to say, Mary, 
your parents, your life has given you a gift of education. Give that gift back and really give serious concern to going and teaching as your way of serving. And although my heart may want to go back to the Appalachian region, I knew that he had turned something for me where my gift could be of direct service through teaching. So it's that idea of recognizing that you have gifts, all of us have gifts, and when that uniqueness of that gift, we bring it into the spaces where that gift can be of service and elevate and raise to the dignity of one another. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the answer. I think it's it's really helpful because again, I, I as you, you as you as you said, right, you break through the dichotomy, the either or the dualistic way of approaching. And um I, I, I like how you started with you enter in via relationship, right? You allow yourself to be moved and then by way of relationship your vocation begins to unfold, right? Like our necess- necessarily we each have different gifts and skills and experiences. And how can we put those at the disposal of God and God's people? Um, and that's and that's kind of what I hear you saying. And I think also in so many ways, what you know, what JVC does for folks just out of out of college, what IVC does for folks that are, as you said, in kind of the third uh, phase of their lives. Um, and I also hear you're kind of beginning to to point to I think some some spiritual touchstones that are are helpful just for a volunteer in general. So I wonder. Obviously, you've had you know vast experiences as a volunteer. Um, you're you're leading you know all these these women and men who who currently are giving of themselves as as volunteers. What do you offer to them as um, uh, ways to kind of cultivate a spiritual disposition that is that is necessary for a volunteer? How, how might people think about uh, again their own spirituality com- coming into conversation with this desire to to be of service? Mm. Um, thank you, Eric. Again, I'm going to go back to my JVC experience where in that early formation, we were taught that um, our desire to go and serve had to be integrated deeply with our spiritual selves and also our lifestyle. And in those early years, we were given the space to develop the contemplative side of ourselves through Ignatian spirituality, to pray and reflect, to talk to one another, to listen to one another, and to recognize the ways in which our service relationships, that those we were in relationship with in our service, were helping us to meet God, to helping us to deepen our own experiences, to face the poverties that are within ourselves, um, to understand that service is a mutual relationship, but in the contemplative spiritual reflection of meditation and prayer, we come to meet the sacred in that relationship. So when you say what do we bring and we offer to our IVC Service Corps members is that space to reflect, that space to enter in more deeply into that experience of meeting God in the other, in meeting God in this time in our lives, in meeting God in the time of transitions, 
to find that contemplative space. It's a bumper ticker phrase. We talk about the contemplative in action. And I think um, sometimes we are, you know, human doings and not just human beings. We like to do, we like to talk about successes and accomplishments and impacts and things like that. And we feel good about ourselves at our ego level, but we don't give equal attention to developing the muscles and the strengths of our contemplative spiritual selves. So IVC has a structure for that where we have monthly meetings. We have um, a book. Your book was our reflection book for this year. We have retreat experiences and we offer to people that opportunity to build their spiritual strengths. Yeah. And, um, and just the community itself is so key. The community of, of, of people kind of journeying together in this, uh, you know, this, this, this journey of service. And it also, you know, I think necessarily, you know, calls to mind the, the nature of church, right? And we you know this is, um, you know, the IVC is part of the church in, 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 in many ways. Um, and IVC is also um, doing something new, I think, in, in the church, right? As far as lay-led, um, these kind of lay leaders uh, really kind of, you know, carrying a, a charism forward. So I wonder, um, kind of, if you can reflect back again a little bit and think about how has the church um, developed or changed over time in in tangent with IVC? Or, or maybe better, better asked would be like, how has IVC grown in its relationship and understanding of, uh, of, the, of the church? Well, first of all, I think it's important to acknowledge that it was in the wisdom and genius of Jim Conroy and Charlie Costello, who had studied the, the um, documents of Vatican II, the Gospels and Scriptures, but also the directives of the General Congregation of the Society of Jesus that in the 90s had looked to the reality of having collaborations with lay leadership, the emerging lay leadership. This is a vision of Vatican II growing and developing. And so they um, intentionally developed IVC to be a lay-led organization. It was to further the apostolic work of the Society of Jesus. So the Jesuits are deeply involved and connected. They serve in every level of IVC as spiritual reflectors on our national board, regional councils as spiritual reflectors. They walk with us. They're um, integrated in the mission as our men and women walk into the margins. So it's a beautiful connection between the um, ordained clergy and the brothers of the Society of Jesus and the laity that are leading the apostolic work and walking together is we try to live as Jesus lived. Um, so in that, I think it as an organization and institution, it's a very practical reflection of the evolution of the of the church. Um, what what have you found uh, in in the community of IVC folks? Uh, how have you found the Ignatian charism interpreted in a new way? Um, or uh, you know, because necessarily, you know, lay folks are living lives differently from from ordained uh, clergy or, or even from Jesuit brothers, and 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 there's 
uh, something new to be found in the in the, the the doing of Ignatian spirituality, right? So, what what has touched you or spoken to you of the Ignatian charism as you've uh, just you know just met folks from all over the country who are who are really living it? Hmm. I think the th- the thing that has emerged for me as I look at it is how animating Ignatian spirituality has become. Uh, especially over the last couple of decades as I've been um, watching it, I see the men and women of the Corps as they are um, strengthening their spiritual selves through Ignatian spirituality and reflection and prayer. Their work is deeper, their minds and hearts are lighter, they are fed with it, and they bring that gift right back into the world. So it continues to animate what is been known about Ignatian spirituality is that it's a very practical spirituality and and system for deepening um, a relationship with God as you walk in the world. What is most compelling to me is been in this journey of discovering a vast network of women and men who have become formally trained in Ignatian spirituality, men and women who have deepened their own academic studies in Ignatian spirituality and have committed to it very deeply um, in their work and in their life. Uh, It's breathtaking to me, to to be very, very honest with you. Uh, I see so many, women and men who are very committed to the apostolic works of the Society of Jesus and have educated themselves and deepened themselves in an Ignatian spirituality to inform their way of doing their work in the apostolic world. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I, mean, I agree. Having having visited a number of the communities, I think you have folks that are, as you said, very you know, kind of well, well trained formally, but also just great kind of practitioners naturally of of the spirituality that you said is is so lived and so kind of embodied. Um, you know, I, I know that we're also kind of in the middle of right the synod on synodalities, right? The kind of part one, part two, um, which I know is is influencing how you think about your your work, your leadership, um, and, and also uh, just the way that 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 we listen to um, these different different folks doing different things in the church. So how how has the synod on synodality influenced you as a leader, um, kind of in the Ignatian tradition? For me, watching the gift of the synod to the church has been heartening. Early in my um, career in mission and ministry in the church, I served as a full-time pastoral associate, and I also was have a, a clinical degree in pastoral counseling and the integration specifically of spirituality and psychology. And in that training, um, you learn that deep listening is the path for healing and health and wholeness and vibrancy. And so a good therapist is creating that space where someone can listen deeply within themselves and that they know that they are listened to. So to, you, to see the sonality grow out of a listening process, especially after the heartbreaking crisis 
that our church has gone through in the past couple decades. Um, to see the people who have experienced um, brokenness, um, concerns about our church, to have a chance to come to to prayerfully listen to their own selves, to come into communities within their parishes, within their organizations, to feel that that's part of a global conversation that is going on where there is equal amount of listening and talking and sharing gives us an opportunity as a, as a Catholic community coming together to discover a newness and a healing. I think it's a healing process. And for me, working with an apostolic work, I am so pleased and heartened that we are part of reflecting the healing face of Christ in the world. Um, and, and, and I see a synchronicity with what IVC is doing, what the men and women of the service corps are doing in being that face of Christ, the healing face of Christ in the world as a church, as in as a faith organization. Yeah. All right. Last question. Um, for folks that are listening and, and either want to get involved uh, or maybe they are not quite at retirement age, but they want to, maybe they have an organization that could benefit from an Ignatian volunteer. Um, what, what do folks need to know uh, <laughs> just about Ignatian Volunteer Corps um, in case they want to, you know, put this on their to-do list uh, in the coming weeks? <laughs> well, that'd be wonderful. Well, the first thing I would welcome people to do is to visit our website, www.ivcusa.com. Org. Come on in, visit the website, go into the different city pages, come and meet us where we are. There's information on the website on how to become a Service Corps member, how to apply. Um, the service year is one year commitment at a time, and you can sign up for years after years. We actually even have some Service Corps members who have been in the Service Corps for close to 20 years. It's pretty remarkable. Um, there's a space on there, too, if you're a service agency and you would really love to have one of these men or women come and work in your organization, you can also contact us and speak with our uh, regional directors in the city. We also, as I said now, have a new virtual region so people can um, offer their services to organizations, even if they don't live in the area where the um, uh, agency is. Um so I would recommend to come explore, apply. And then also, too, I have to say there are other ways that you can be a part of the core. You can be on our regional councils in the local regions. And that's a, something that anyone of any age, whether you're uh, retired or not, could come. And our, re our regional agencies are a group of men and women who support the regional directors in our cities. Um, and you can also become a benefactor. A benefactor is a missioner in service. Maybe they don't have the opportunities right now to go into direct service, but they can use their philanthropy, their financial gifts to support the men and women in service. And that's another way to be a part of this community. Awesome. All right, Mary, well, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. Thank you. And thank you, Eric, for great questions and for giving me a chance to talk about this amazing mission. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. 
This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference Communications team is Mike Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, Kristen Smith, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get our weekly email reflection series, Now Discern This, by visiting jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. <laughs>